0: morning, church. I'm glad to be with you. It's been one of those mornings where I feel like the day is going faster than I am. Have you all ever had that kind of an experience where things are going and going and going and you're like, I think I'm about 10 steps behind everybody else? That's been my morning today. Um, but I am glad that we are here together and I don't, there is a clicker here. Okay. This is what happens when you let other people use your stuff. It doesn't go back where it belongs. Um, I'm glad we're here together, and we're going to um, be beginning a new sermon series this morning. So if it's your first time with us, or you haven't been around in a while, like, it's all right, we're all on the same page, this is all new stuff, it's good stuff, and if you're a person who is generally pretty skeptical of church, then this is actually a great place to start Um, because we're going to be looking at, um, we're going to be talking about Easter, obviously, it's Easter Sunday, and what is the point of Easter, why is Easter such a big deal, Um, and what does it matter for us in our lives today, Um, and really looking at um, the point of the resurrection. And we're going to do that by looking through three scenes, there's going to be three different scenes, Um, And we'll just walk through them. Um, We're going to be looking at those things from out of the Bible. Um, So if you've got a blue Bible there in front of you, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 on page 1104. If you want to use those blue Bibles, they're either under the chair in front of you or probably tucked under your chair. Um, And that's what we're going to be doing this morning. Um, We'll walk through these three scenes together. We'll ask some questions and uh, hopefully we'll leave encouraged. But before we do that, I'd like for us to pray together. Um, we've sung together, and now I'd like for us to pray together, and um, I've just gotten into the habit over the last year or so, as we begin this time um, of praying together, the Disciples' Prayer, you might be familiar with it it, is known as the Lord's Prayer, um, and there aren't any magic powers or uh, special incantations to uh, these words in particular. Um, but they do provide a model that Jesus left for us to pray and to pray together. And it's easiest, if we're going to pray together, to use the same words. So that's why I put them up on the screen if you're not familiar with it. Um, and I'm even going to double-check the screen, because somebody moved my, my paper here that I normally cheat off of. So we're going to get things together, and we're going to do all right today. But as we do that, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven to give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen so I said, we're going to look at three scenes. The first scene is um, a group of women on their way to a graveyard, walking through a graveyard. And this, is, this picture is the first like, scene that maybe things aren't how we picture it. When we think of a graveyard, what do we think of? What's the picture that comes to mind of a graveyard? Headstones, footstones. If you're a landscaper, what is the thing that you think of? Grass, lots of grass, lots of weed eating, big flat open field, a little bit obnoxious to try to take care of. Um, we're in a different part of the world. This is in the, in the p- place in Israel. And so their graves were different. It was a more mountainous area. And so they actually just would take caves that existed, maybe clean them up a little bit. And then they'd put stones over the top of them. And so our first scene opens up with a group of ladies who are on their way to a grave. We're going to start in Luke chapter 24 in verse 1. It's on page 1104 in these blue Bibles. Again, if you'd like to turn there and follow along with me Um, but i'm gonna read it to you on the first day of the week at early dawn they these this group of ladies went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body of the lord jesus and he went home marveling at what had happened. So the scene opens, there's a group of ladies, they're going to a graveyard, they've brought spices, they're going to um, finish what was kind of a rushed burial job. See, the person that they're looking for, um, the text says, is Jesus, the Lord Jesus. Uh, he had been killed, and because everybody was rushing to take care of things for the Passover celebration, it was a big big deal. They were not allowed to do any work on that day, they were allowed to touch any dead bodies or anything so this burial thing had happened really rushed and so they were going back to make sure that everything was done properly on the first day of the week which is Sunday so on Sunday they're showing up really really early right at early dawn they're going in you know I don't know if they've had their coffee yet I'm assuming they have because they're carrying spices with them, but they go up and like, are we at the right place? Like, this is a grave. This is the grave where we saw. Him. We were here a couple of days ago. But it's open, and the clothes are there. Like there's no body for us to take care of. And there's two guys standing there. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. So this is the event. Like Uh, You're probably familiar with Christianity if you're you're tuning in to us or you're here in the room with us this morning, you're familiar with Christianity, Um, and this is the event that uh, is foundational to the faith. If you're skeptical about Christianity, you're not sure um, what you're going to do with any of it, Like this is the question to answer, did this happen or didn't it? The resurrection of Jesus is, is the question. It's the foundation. And, and all of our past, our present, and our future depend upon Jesus' resurrection. So if this is you know, a, a lie, then you, know, you should feel sorry for those of us who believe it. And if it's true, then it should change something in us. We should consider it pretty carefully. Um, but there's a wall. there's something I have to overcome with you that I don't know that you're aware that I have to overcome. Um, I'm, I'm concerned that our experience with fiction and stories and movies is going to dull our understanding of what we 're reading here. So how many movies have we seen, like the one that come, we just did a road trip? and so I didn't watch any movies, but I heard like 10 of them over and over again um, from the back seat. So the one that comes to mind is frozen for me right now. It's kind of fresh in my mind. I'm sorry. I can't let it go. How many resurrections have we seen where it seems like somebody is dead, and then they immediately have glitter sparkles, and they come back to life? Like, we have seen stuff like this a lot. If we've played video games or we've watched any Marvel movies, anybody who dies in a movie may or may not actually be dead. And so when we read about these, guys, these women were on their way to a grave to take care of a dead body, we may think like, oh, well, I've heard that story before. I'm familiar with that concept. Like in our mind, in our reality, in our culture, like dead bodies come back to life all the time. Sometimes they're ooey-gooey and want to eat you, and sometimes they're like fine, right? Like resurrection is something that's common. But consider the impossibility of it, the other wall the other wall that I have to overcome is that our culture has done a really good job of sanitizing death for us and isolating us from the process. Um, we don't deal with corpses regularly, even of those that are, are dear loved ones. There are professionals who take care of those things for us, so we don't have to think about it. And I, I don't say that as a criticism, I just say that as an observation, that it's not something that we are acquainted with. There's times where we're in the room, maybe at a viewing with a dead body, that we're just super uncomfortable, and and we're thankful that the professionals have made this body a little bit more presentable for public viewing. But as presentable as the body may be. It can do nothing to help itself. It's a shell. It's empty. And even if that body had been a conduit of resurrection for other people, even if we believe the stories that Jesus brought other people back from the dead, It is one thing for me in my living body to be a conduit for resurrection for somebody else outside of my body. It is another thing for me to be dead, 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 and then to be made alive again myself. You see, it requires an external force. And the ladies, as they come, are grieving. They're they're, they're not, I don't know how they're dealing with it, but they're grieving, they're upset. And they're not expecting a miracle. They're expecting a dead body. So don't let the fiction that we're familiar with close the gap on the impossibility of the fact that if Jesus was murdered, and he was, like, he wasn't—he wasn't just killed. He was killed by people whose job it was to make sure you died. The Romans knew what they were doing when they were making sure people were dead. You didn't fool a Roman guard in, into, like, oh, I'm just sleeping. Didn't happen. Don't let our fiction close the gap on the impossibility of what is occurring. And Luke, um, this this book that we've kind of jumped into, Luke uh, was a doctor. He was somebody who was skeptical. He was somebody who was meticulous, who took records. And so he's actually written and compiled this whole biography of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus from his doctor's perspective. And he's getting eyewitness accounts, and he's writing it all in in, an orderly account. And it, it may be that he's writing this as part of a legal proceeding. like This might be a legal document for a court of law. He's trying to get his facts straight about what happened. And so as he starts, he starts with a group of people that are actually not permissible legal witnesses in, in their culture these women were not permissible legal witnesses, you actually needed a guy to verify what a woman said in court which um, is, not, I am telling you that's what the reality was for these women in their time, not that that's something that we need to mimic today but Luke starts with one, the most unlikely people that something glorious would be entrusted to and he's going to continue to build his case but, but the thing that I think is interesting is these men, um, other, other biographers of Jesus, will call them angels. As they speak to the women, they say, he's not here, he's risen. Do you remember? Don't you remember what he told you? He told you that it was necessary for him to die so that he could come back to life. We have this glorious resurrection, and, but don't you remember he said he had to die? And I, how many times in my life has God brought me to new depths of understanding of something that I already knew? And so as I, I am looking at this passage this morning, the question comes to mind, what of Jesus have we forgotten? We're, we may be familiar with the story. And so we don't necessarily need to learn the stories for the first time. Maybe we do need to learn the stories for the first time. But, but what of Jesus have we forgotten? That when we come face to face with it and we're uncomfortable with it and we're, we're looking for something completely different than what we find, what of Jesus have we forgotten? You might be familiar with the stories, but they don't have any bearing on our daily life. Or we might have great doctrine, but we don't exercise it under Christ's example of love. There's much that he teaches us, and much for us to forget. But all of our past, our present, and our future depend on Jesus' resurrection. Why would you say that, Michael? I'd like to continue reading the chapter, if that's all right with you. And uh, we're going to another scene. Um, The next scene is a road... There are two disciples who are in Jerusalem where all of the crucifixion and the burial and now the resurrection have taken place. They have heard from this group of ladies that the Lord's risen. The apostles have gone to see if they can find the body, and they know the body is gone, but that's really all they know. And so there's a couple of disciples that are like, this is just too much. I'm going home. And so they're on the road. They're traveling together. And so I'm going to pick up in verse 13, and I'm going to read it wasn't sure I was going to read it because it's a lot of verses, but I'm going to read it for you because I think it makes a lot of sense. That very day, so the same day, two of them, the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking about seven miles. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So you've got a group of two guys that are walking down the road. A stranger comes up to them and begins to walk near them, beside them, and they don't recognize the guy. Luke tells us ahead of time, spoiler alert, this is actually the resurrected Jesus walking beside them, but they miss it. Their eyes are are concealed. Um, And he said to them, Jesus says to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. They could not hide their disappointment and their emotions. They are leaving Jerusalem, having followed their Messiah to his grave. He's dead, dead. And dead people don't come back. As far as they're concerned, this is the end of their story. That he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. So, yeah, the body's gone, but we don't know what's happened. So they drew near to the village, which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then He has... Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So, this second scene is a group of guys walking on the road. They're discouraged, they're downhearted. The person that they had followed has died and been buried for three days. We're done here. I'm going home to figure out what to do with my life now. Have you ever had to start over? Have you ever had to start over again? What are y'all talking about? Are you the only one that didn't read the newspaper? You didn't hear about what was going on with this Jesus guy from Nazareth? There's... He's he's, he's he's been publicly executed and, and now like some of the people that are in our group are saying he's back alive and it's just too much I just can't handle it I already I gotta I gotta start over again I gotta figure out how I'm gonna I'm gonna pay the bills and like there's family to take care of and like I just I can't I can't can't deal with it we're we're going home oh foolish ones and slow to believe and Jesus led him in a Bible study. Which I think is fascinating. But he didn't he he didn't just like you know zero in on the biography like hey look this is the New Testament this is all about me look at how glorious like no 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 he starts at the beginning in Genesis and works his way through all of the prophets like all of Leviticus and all of Numbers. Oh my gosh, like were all those numbers necessary and says like this is how all of these things pointed to what was coming through. So when I say to you that all of our past, present, and future depend on Jesus' resurrection, this is why I say it. Because there are things that show up in here that we get uncomfortable with and we're not sure how to process with. And and the door that I'm asking you to walk through is the resurrection. Because that's what it all points towards. He explains that all of this is about me and about what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm doing and what I am going to finish. Don't you know that The Christ was meant to suffer. So they go and they have a meal together. (laughs) And when he breaks bread and he prays for them, they recognize him. Do you recognize people by their prayers? There's some old saints who mentored me a lot that, you know, they could talk to anybody. But when they prayed, I knew who they were talking to. And they had a different different attitude as they went through it. (laughs) This, This is an old friend. This is a constant companion that they're speaking with. And so as Jesus prayed, as he broke bread, they recognized him, and then he was gone. So having spent the day walking seven miles out to Emmaus... They pick up their bags and they run back to Jerusalem seven miles in the middle of the night and find the other 11 disciples and tell them, like, it's true. Like, we've seen Him. He's risen indeed. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm of the opinion, and I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I'm allowed to have biases. I'm just going to be honest with you about what they are. My bias is that Jesus is walking with you, that Jesus is leading you. But I see here in the text that oftentimes Jesus can be leading us and walking with us, and our eyes not be able to recognize him. I'm confident God is working in your life. I don't know the details. I don't know what he's pointing like what how things are gonna work out for you, but I'm confident that Jesus is working in your life. And it leads me to ask the question, are we aware (laughs) that Jesus is leading us? And does it make a difference? I'm inclined to think that it does. And my suspicion is that in the moment that he allows himself to be recognized by you, it will change something. Because all of our past, present, and future depend on Jesus' resurrection. But the thing that they're hung up on is the suffering, right? Is the death like we 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 followed a messiah a guy who was a great teacher a passionate prophet doing the acts of god and then he suffered and he died that's that's not supposed to happen. People who are appointed by God, who are following God, who are doing the right thing, like they're supposed to just like walk on clowns and they got the halos on and they just like angelic music plays. Anytime they walk into a room and all of their finances, their checkbooks are balanced, and they always have extra money to give to people. Like that's how holy people work. They're not supposed to suffer. And so that's what we're gonna talk about. We're starting with the good news. We're starting with the resurrection because all of our past, present, and future depend upon Jesus' resurrection. But we're going to be looking at that glory through anguish in this series. Why would the Son of God submit himself to suffer at the hands of people who weren't worthy to be in his presence, much less to touch him and abuse him? So there's the final scene. Remember, these guys have run back to Jerusalem. It's the middle of the night. Now they're at a table. Verse 36, Luke chapter 24, verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. And he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit and he said to them, why are you troubled and why why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke with you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead... And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be re- proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and, carried, and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and we're continually in the temple, blessing gone. All of our past, present, and future depend on Jesus' resurrection. Um, he shows up in the room. And I don't really know how to read the dynamics of what's happening I want to put myself in this story, but I also want to understand how they understood it. Jesus shows up, peace to you, and they were startled and frightened. Last time I saw you, you were dead. Uh, Why are your hearts troubled? Why do you doubt? I, I can think of several reasons of why I should be troubled and doubt. Like I've never seen this before. This is unprecedented. Like you're, you're here. Like, well, don't you remember I told you I'd come back? Well, yeah, but we didn't know that you would actually die before you came back. Like we thought you were just gonna like go to Spain or something. Like I, I didn't know there was a crucifixion involved. Don't you know? Like they spit on you and they mocked you. Like I thought you were going on vacation. But I watched them kill you. Publicly execute Like, that's not how I thought it was supposed to go. Like, you're the Messiah. You're the King of Israel. Like, don't you remember when you were like the little baby Jesus and like the the Zechariah guy? He had this prayer and it was all about the King of Israel is coming back. And then your mom was singing this song about the King of Israel is coming to restore and and flip things around the way. It's, like, you're supposed to be the king, and kings don't get publicly executed and then come back. Like, they get publicly executed and then somebody else takes the throne. That's how this works. That's why I am troubled. That is why doubt is rising in my hearts. He says, "Look at me. You, you can touch me." And so, as separated as we are culturally from death, as and if we lose a loved one from their body, you carried my body to the tomb. And it's warm again. Hug me, friends. And he says, "Look, like this is all of this was pointing towards me. Like, look, look back, remember, remember what I said, remember what you learned, but be, more than that." He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And here's a key principle that I myself am, am prone to forget. That as we come to the scriptures, as we come to the Bible, like understanding it is actually beyond us. It's beyond our comprehension. Unless we're guided by Jesus. And so if you've read the Bible before, you're like, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It's just nonsense, a bunch of rules. and. Read it with him. And that's a, like a Sunday school, like church answer. Like, yeah, read the Bible with Jesus. Okay, cool. What is that? What do I actually do with that? Like, actually, Jesus says that he indwells other believers. And I have found that in the times where I read the scriptures with other believers, that Jesus speaks through the mouths of normal people a lot. So read the scriptures together under the guidance of the Spirit. And, 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 and what's the point? Like, if, if all of our past, present, and future depend on Jesus' resurrection, like, why? Because it accomplished something. Verse 46. He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, that was part of the plan, and on the third day rise from the dead. Why? And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. It says, this resurrection... Has purchased forgiveness of sins. You say, Michael, I got a lot of problems, and I don't know that sin is one of them. Sure. But sin is the thing that is that separates us from God, the many things that separate us from God. And so you might have an old school fire and brimstone idea of what the sins are. You know, smoking, drinking, hanging out with girls who do. But sin is the things that keep us separated from God. So sin might be putting something else that's good that distracts you from getting close to God. All that to say, whatever your sin is, whatever keeps you separated from God, the resurrection of Jesus has made it possible for those things to be forgiven and overcome. And if I can zoom back just briefly, sin is the reigning um, way that the world works since we messed it up in the garden. And the resurrection of Jesus unplugs the power of that. And he hasn't finished the, the, the defeat, or he hasn't, he's defeated, but he hasn't finished letting it do what it's doing. He's got a purpose for that too, suffering. We'll talk about that in the series. Um, but, but there's a thing. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The, the next time these disciples who are hearing it talk about this is actually in Luke's sequel. So there's the biography of Jesus that we call Luke. And then the sequel to that, Luke wrote, is called Acts. Um, The next time that these disciples are together and they're proclaiming the the significance of the resurrection to people, the people who hear this story of the resurrection say, what do we do with this? And Peter says to them in Acts 2 in verse 38, he says, repent, turn away from your sin, the things that keep you separated from God, and be baptized. Not that baptism saves you, but that baptism is a sign that I identify with Jesus' suffering and his death. And that he's, I'm walking now in his life. So will we repent and be baptized to proclaim Jesus' name? If if you haven't been baptized but you want to follow Jesus, like actually there's an opportunity on Saturday. (laughs) On Saturday we're getting together at 12 o'clock and we're having a baptism celebration in Lake Weir. And so we try to do that in a public place because I think it's supposed to be a public sign. Um, But we're going to have a barbecue, have a party, and people are going to be baptized. So if you need to be baptized, want to be baptized, um, that's a good action step this morning. But if you have been baptized, does your life proclaim Jesus' name? Because all of our past, all of our present, and all of our future depend on Jesus' resurrection. Would you pray with me? God, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to think about. There are a lot of things that boil up in our hearts. And... I don't know if everybody else is like me, but I, I don't like giving space to processing some of that stuff. But we're quiet now. Maybe for the first time this week. So would you do your work in our hearts? Would you help us to have the conversations with you that we need to have? We thank you for your kindness. That shows us when we've forgotten. And your grace that leads us on. It's in your name we pray.